Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. I'm Logan Clements, one of your co-hosts, and this week we're going to dive into a topic that can sometimes make you feel a little bit uncomfortable because we're going to be talking about money, finances, and specifically about managing your finances as a small business owner. And Mary and I are in two very different places with our business in terms of the years we've been in business. So it's a really fun discussion where we share kind of our journey, things we think about, things if you're just getting started you should think about, as well as tools and some tips that we've used to help evolve our businesses over the years. So hope you enjoy this episode. But before we jump into it, I do want to remind you the best present you can give us to help us grow this community is to leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If that's Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you're following, give us a review. Give us five stars if you feel like you're gaining something from this episode. We really appreciate you taking the few minutes to do that. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow, and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started, and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast for this week. This is Mary Davidson, one of your co-hosts, and I am joined by our other co-host, Logan Clements. Logan, how's it going today? It's going really well. I'm like very excited, as I feel like I am every week, to talk about today's topic. Yes. Excited is our buzzword every week, which if you've been listening with us for a while, I'm sure you know that now, but we are truly excited. So, um, Logan's going to introduce why we chose this topic today, but before we get there, we have to do our icebreaker that we do. And today's question, um, revolves around a workshop that we just attended of our friend and fellow event colleague, Lara Yarbrough-Lloyd, and she did a workshop on event etiquette, and it was, for me, super enlightening. And so this is, um, our icebreaker question for today that has to go with that, which is what's something that you are trying to work on to, uh, become more professional as you're doing events. So Logan, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I do want to shout out and we'll put it in the show notes because I don't think I'm going to have the correct number off the top of my head. But Lara was on our podcast and talked about the importance of etiquette and hospitality and events. Mary, I'm going to say 15, episode 15, but we'll put it the correct one in the show notes. Um, so you could go back and listen to that. But yes, something that I'm working on to be more professional with events from an etiquette standpoint this one's kind of hard because I feel like we've gotten some certain habits that have come up from doing virtual events. And so one of the things that Laura talked about in her workshop was about having a power outfit. And I had some very good power outfits pre-COVID. I used to live in Shanghai, China, and so I got a lot of tailored outfits. I have a hot pink suit that I joked was my power suit that I could wear and I just feel like I was a million dollars. So my kind of thing I'm working on is just getting a couple more pieces in my wardrobe that fit my current body. Um, since I no longer fit in some of the things that I, I fit in a couple years ago and that I can wear to events. I have a jumpsuit that I love that Mary got to see in person uh, last week that I'm obsessed it with. But nice. I think I want some like yeah. cute, fun blazers and things to go on top of it just so I can dress it up or dress it down. Yeah. For me, I would say, well, lots of things, but 
something that's been on my mind is like speech and voice and like enunciation and not mumbling, which is something I try to do on the podcast as well, but it's something I really struggle with. I'm a natural mumbler and speed talker and my family is too. So when we get together, it's just like all a bunch of mumbles. Um, and I notice people are saying, what, you know, after I'm talking and I'm like, okay, I really need to enunciate my words. So that's something that I, I'd like to try to do when I'm speaking to others in a professional setting. All right. I feel like you, you're you're very clear with me, but again, we I see you in Thank these you. settings. So, <laughs> uh, but it's always nice to find different things. And Laura had a lot of really cool tips that I do appreciate from her workshop. So shout out to Laura. But you're all here because today's topic it's all about managing finances as a small business owner. And one of the reasons why we chose this topic, Ed Barry, I'm just gonna say it. We chose it because it makes people feel a little uncomfortable. And by people, I mean even us. Like it makes me uncomfortable to talk about. Makes you uncomfortable sometimes to talk about. I think finances yeah. is just like and money is just this weird kind of taboo that people don't want to talk about. And this is something that. I know I get really excited whenever I find other people who do want to talk about it um, just because I feel like you don't know what you don't know, when it, especially when it comes to the financial side of your business. And so today we're going to kind of talk about our experience. Mary and I are different you know, years of experience with running our own business. So we'll have those two different perspectives to bring you and just kind of some tips that we have for you that you could apply to your business, some tools we use, and maybe a couple fun money stories. We'll see if we have enough time. But I feel like I summed it up as much as I can. But first, I'm going to ask you, Mary, our first question. Uh, what was your experience with business finances before you started your own company? So my, my gist of this question is essentially before you started EP events, what was your experience with the business side of finances? Really the most in-depth that I got. Well, okay. I, so prior to this, I was working with nonprofit organizations. And so as all companies and organizations and businesses, finances are very important, um, especially so for nonprofits because they like are trying to raise these funds um, to be able to support their organizations. And so we always had like the goal of like how much money in general we needed to raise that year. And then my piece of the puzzle was events. And so I kind of had a, a glimpse on the, the big goal and then how I was going to personally help get there was based on the event budgets that we created. And so if it comes to finances prior to EP events, it was really just event budgets and ensuring that I could help meet those budgets. And then we really focused in on ROI for those budgets, return on investment. And so that's like, I mean, I helped set the event budget. So I'd say when it comes to budgeting, that's like the, the place that I was in. Um, so yeah, that was me. What about you, Logan? Yeah, I was pretty similar. I was also at like an agency. And so I was in charge of putting together proposals for clients. And we did both like marketing skills as well as event skills. So I was very much a part of that process and kind of understanding our internal costs versus what we were, you know, our external costs of kind of what we were charging the client versus what it cost us internally as a business. But it was very much on that kind of micro level of like project by project. And I know for me, it was something that I never, they don't, I mean, most companies I feel like don't give a regular employee, you know, access to their company books or anything like that. Right. Um, but it was one that I, I remember I enjoyed having that roadmap of, of kind of like when we created a budget and then working off of it. But I often found the like creation of the budget of knowing how much to charge for something to me felt very foreign and just kind of hard to understand, especially when I was new um, to the industry or new to a kind of service we were offering. Um, but that was something that I know then when I started my own business, I was very stressed out about because I feel like there was just things I didn't know. And 
not many places I could turn to for very clear directions, especially as an event pro starting an event business, a solo business that was just me. So I had a little bit of experience, I will say. I felt okay with a profit and loss sheet and like balancing a budget. But a lot of times I didn't understand exactly how the taxes worked and things like that. But Mary, as a business owner, do you have now as a business owner, what's one word you would just use to describe the financial side of running a business? I think I always do this. I can't think of one word. I'm going to give two words. One, because one's positive, one's negative. And the positive, I guess, is that it's it's necessary. I think the finances are necessary. The The negative piece is that um, they are overwhelming. And mm. what I mean by that specifically for me is like the strategy behind finances is overwhelming to me, that piece. Um which is why I was like not super thrilled about this episode, <laughs> but it's important. I am glad we're talking about it. Um, and we'll we'll hash that out a little bit more as we talk and I can share more about why that is. But for me, for me, it's overwhelming when it comes to the strategy piece. So yeah. What about you, Logan? What's one word you'd use to describe the financial side of running a business? I think I would also say stressful. Now, I think this is something like a word that I'm moving away from with the help of others because I'm outsourced. The other word that came to mind was outsource um, in terms of getting help. I yeah. recently found – I do like voice memos every so often on my phone when I just – I'm a talker. If you can't tell podcast listeners, I like to talk things out and often that's how I process things is I, I talk and I'll usually talk to a friend or family or somebody. But occasionally there are times when I can't find anybody to talk to. And so I learned I could just talk to myself in a voice memo. And I listened back to one that I recorded back in 2017, which I started my business in 20 or no, 2018. I started my business in 2016. So I was two years in and it was all about my business and how stressed I was from just the financial side of things and figuring out how to go after these big projects that I really enjoyed that wanted me to travel, which sounds so cool and fun, but then figuring out, okay, how much do I make the client, how much does the client pay for? How much do I pay for just because I want to go to this cool opportunity? And at the same time, you know, how much should I be paying myself? Should I be paying myself? All those questions were really stressful. And I think that's something that now I've learned I can outsource some of the more stressful aspects of my, of the business finances, like taxes. Folks, if you're listening to this, we're almost coming up on tax season. Uh, I already have my accountants helping me like gather paperwork and things like that. And that was something when I first started my business, I remember going, I have no idea what I'm supposed to keep track of, what papers I need, you know, how much money to save for them as the year goes on. And so that's something that I always aspire to do better. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you mentioned like all those little, little tidbits of finances because finances is like this huge, large, like category. But within that, as far as events and running a business, there's so many like little pieces that you mentioned, like outsourcing, like pricing, like um, paying yourself. So there's so many components. And to me, I think that's why it becomes overwhelming is because there is there should be like a strategy behind each and each one is a little bit different. And so it's like, I, for me, I guess baby steps, right? One little thing that we can do to improve to, to aid in our financial journey, I guess, as a business owner. Yeah, no, and that's something that if you're thinking about starting the, this business, if you're, you know, if you're new, I think, and listening to this episode, it's one of the barriers I feel like to starting a business because it feels just so overwhelming to try to think about all these financial pieces. So I think Mary, you hit on something really important there that it does make it more manageable if you just hit on, 
you know, one of them. And also knowing your business and the way you do your the financial side of your business like will evolve. It will change. How I did my finances when I first my first year of business to now being in my 6th year of business is very different. And and I think that's okay and it's okay to feel overwhelmed but also know that you can kind of change and improve how you're doing your your finances. I also will caveat that we do events and that's what brings me joy and the financial side of things. Like I enjoy budgets for event budgets, but doing like a company budget or some of these like financial things as a business is not why I went into business. And so that was one of the big things for me is as I started making more money going, what can I get off my plate? Because this is not what I, I, I don't love doing this part. And I want to have more of myself and my time to do the parts of the, my business that I love, which is the doing of the events. And so that's something that I know has been helpful as I've grown, but something when I first started my first year of business, I couldn't have afforded paying somebody, you know, a hundred bucks a month to help me with my books. I just couldn't afford that extra cash. Um, but yeah, that I think it's very important to know that you can break it down into small pieces. Yeah. And one other note, not to like segue too much so we don't have to dive too deep into this, but something that I, that was helpful for me is if you kind of have that like entrepreneurial mindset there are many businesses out there in the world that take a lot of capital and investment to start. And being an event planner, in my opinion, isn't necessarily one of them. It depends how you are going to go about so many things. Um, but in general, there's there's not like a ton of stuff that you physically need to be able to start your business because it's really yourself and the service that you're offering that you are providing. And so um, I guess that's the hopefully motivation for anybody who's listening that might be thinking about it. Um, of course, it's good to have like reserves and things like that, but it's not, in my opinion, as necessary if you're going to be an event planner that doesn't have inventory and stuff like that. That's a great, great point, Mary. Yes, you don't need a lot of – it's called bootstrapping. I didn't know about this until a year or two into the business where you're self-funding essentially everything you need, but you're totally right. I mean, depending what aspect of the business, it's very different if you're trying to start like an event rental company where you yeah. either need to like purchase a bunch of things to get started, so you probably need a loan or funding versus if your service is just your, – your product is service-based where it's just kind of your time. Uh, the thing for me, and we've talked about it in other episodes too, was the – kind of the catalyst for me to go out on my own and start my own business was knowing that I had clients who I had worked with full-time would continue to work with me freelance. And so that helped take some of that initial stress off because it wasn't a, right. oh, how am I going to get my first client? It's going, I know I have two people that will pay me part-time and I will essentially pay for my minimum expenses. And then it's just figuring out how to grow from there. But it's, it is something that there's stressors. The, the freedom you get from working for yourself comes with some of these stressors of like your company pays your taxes for you when you work full time. As you own your business, like you have to figure out how you're going to pay your own taxes and retirement and some of those other fun financial things that like if you can't see, my palms are like already sweating as we talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Um, and while we're talking, we should shout out some books, Logan, because I feel like there's a ton of financial books. And I'm just going to shout out really quick. There's one that I actually haven't fully finished reading. So this isn't like a full recommendation, but I found it helpful so far, which is um, Smart Women Finish Rich. And we can link all of these. But um, I I enjoy that one. It is written by a male and he talks a lot about like, who am I to talk to these group of this group of women and tell them like what they need to do financially. But, but I appreciate his perspective. Um, and he basically just talks about how a, a lot of, of 
women kind of fall back on other things, but we as individuals need to be self-sufficient no matter who you are, just because you never know what's going to happen. So I really appreciate that book. And the reason I brought that up is because what Logan just said, he talks a lot about um, you personally as yourself, and maybe it, it benefits other members of your family need to have like your own retirement account and your own this and that, just not as a selfish thing, but as a self-sufficient thing. Um, so I really think that book is important. So I'm going to plug that real quick. Um, and we've talked a lot about, you know, like the, the stresses of the financial bit. And so Logan, who, who do you go to for financial advice as a business owner? Yeah, I definitely had a little bit of uh, privilege coming into being a business owner because my dad owns his own business and he went out on his own essentially in 2008, a lot of a lot because of the recession. So he, again, wasn't necessarily he had an entrepreneurial mindset, more just circumstances, but then found that he loved it. And so when I first said, I want to start my own company, it's going to be an LLC. OK, what do I need? I really turned to him just for understanding how taxes work. And he helped me with my taxes for my first couple of years. Now they've gotten a little comp little complicated because I technically live in Seattle. My business is now Seattle and Pennsylvania where I, where I started it. But he's one that I always went to and I still go to for advice, especially when it comes to retirement and some of my long-term planning things. And then more recently, I will say I've leaned on folks like you, Mary, and a lot of our other awesome women who work in events and men as well for just kind of advice that's specific to events to event planning and something like I want to dive into. It's very difficult, I think, with events sometimes because we have really busy months and then we have really slow months. And whenever I've gone to like a financial advisor or someone who's a little bit older and more seasoned, but not in the event industry, they often don't have the best, like the most practical advice for me. So I found it's easier for me to talk to other people who are in and experiencing what I'm experiencing to see kind of what do they do to balance out the, the fast and the slow months. How about you, Mary? Who do you go to for uh, financial advice when it comes to your business. Yeah, similar to yours. Um, my dad's a his background is in in um, banking, and so he's a certified financial planner, which is super helpful. And so he's just good at talking through things, like you're saying. Um, but then when it does come to more events specific, yes, definitely talking to people like you, people like in the industry. Um, also, I I do have an MBA, not to like push it, but I took um, la la. accounting and, econo and econo economics classes. But all that to say is actually not a humble brag because I hated those classes. And I felt like I like looking back, I definitely did not retain what I wish I had retained because I was like just trying to get power through it. And so though I have the education, it's not something that I've really been able to hold on to in that aspect as much as I would like. So turning to people is extremely helpful. Um, the one thing I'll also say is when speaking to other event professionals about, you know, financial stuff, um, I found a lot of people have advice and they're like, oh, you got to be doing it this way. And if you're not, you're totally missing out. And I know they mean well, it comes from like a really good place. But the more I hear that, it, it brings me pause and I'm like, I'm totally not doing it that way. Am I missing out on something? And maybe I am. But I just wanted to like also call this out that if that's something that you experience, I think just remember that you know what's best for you and your business because a lot of it is dependent upon what your goals for growth are for the business, like what your why is, like we talk about all the time. So what somebody says, is, oh, you've got to be doing this or you're missing out might not really be true. I'm starting to like be very leery when someone actually says that to me. So there's a, another plug that I found helpful. 
Yeah, which I think caveats what we're talking about. And we've talked about this with other aspects that, you know, when we talked about productivity, these are tools that work for you and I, Mary, but they don't necessarily, it's not a one-stop solution. I will say my financial structure and how I deal with kind of my business finances is definitely a hybrid of all these different bits and pieces that I've gotten from right. different people, which right. I think only makes it better versus just the first person I talk, I'm talking to saying, oh, of course, whatever worked for you is going to work for me. You talked about resources. I've talked about it on the pod a lot, Profit First. That was like a book I read during the pandemic that just blew my mind and how I do my finances because, again, I know how I'm motivated and how I kind of think about other things in my life, not on the financial side. And it's just this way of creating these buckets of how you break up your money and save money for taxes. And it works for me. It might not work for you because you might be someone who likes to do it in a different way, but it was just a way that like was like, oh, I didn't know I could do it that way. But my mm -hmm. big takeaway from that book, if you don't learn anything else, is honestly, as an entrepreneur, if you own your business, you should be taking a salary, like pay yourself. And I think when I first started my business, I was definitely in this kind of uh, hustle mindset that was like, oh, I pay myself, but only like when I really need it. Like when I really need the money, then I'll pay myself versus now the way I run my business in year six, I pay myself every two weeks. Granted, it's a percentage based on how, you know, like I said, those busy and slow months, but it's a percentage I'm consistently paying myself. And so that's something I wish younger me had learned and did. And I would hope for you, if you're a business owner out there listening right now, that you are also paying yourself in some way. If your business is making, bringing in money, that you're still finding a way to pay yourself because you're putting time into it. It's your business. You you know, you want to be compensated. And then my only other resource, and we'll link in the show notes, if you like podcasts, she wrote a book, Jean Chatsky. It's called Women and Money, but she also has a podcast called Her Money and a newsletter. And I find uh, her advice to be really interesting. She brings on guests like we do, and it's just a variety of topics that, again, I feel like you can just learn from all these different people's takes on what you should be doing financially, both personally, but also sometimes as a business owner, she has topics related to that. Yeah. And you really were kind of hinting on one of our upcoming questions. So maybe we can skip to that about balancing cash flow because our industry has like a lot of fast months and a lot of slow months. And you've probably learned this already, Logan. This is something that I'm currently learning because for me, like for this year, 2022, January was pretty slow and that's okay. But it's something I'm realizing might kind of happen again because I can tell people are well, the pandemic doesn't help, but people are trying to kind of still figure out at the beginning of the year what they're going to be doing. And then it seems to like pick up like rapid fire and then it kind of ebbs at other certain times. And anyway, so um, you talked about profit first and paying yourself. So balancing cash flow, I assume that type of situation helps with that. Um, so yeah, any any other thoughts about balancing cash flow? Yeah, I think it's something that I have such a love-hate relationship with in events because you and, you and I know this when we work events it's very normal to have like a hundred hours in a week which if someone if you work as like a what are they what are they called like a per personal banker or wealth manager or something like that like that's an assumption when you get into the industry you're going to be working 100 hour weeks that's just how it works but for me i cannot work 100 hour weeks all year round it's just not and possible insane exactly so <laughs> <Not> possible <laughs> yes so while i'd like to think i could be at that level i would probably turn into like a monster of some form because I would be so tired. And so you kind of need those busy and slow months, whether it's on purpose or sometimes based on the work you do. So when I first started my business, I did sports. There weren't many sports happening from like middle of November until really middle of February. So when COVID – and the way I learned to balance was I would just try to save 
in my really busy months, instead of paying myself a per- – and at that time, I didn't really pay myself a percentage. But instead of thinking, oh, wow, I've had a really good month. Let's go on a vacation or I can splurge on that new computer I wanted, I would save that money so that I could have some funds during those three months that were really slow. And then COVID happened in March, <laughs> right after I'd just gotten through you know, a two and a half, three months of savings that I'd put together. So it was probably the worst timing ever because my safety net was kind of gone. And mm-hmm. so it is something since COVID and reading Profit First and paying that percentage, it has helped me build up essentially like cash that I can pay myself on those slower months, um, especially whether it's because I'm not necessarily getting events at that time or because I'm choosing to take time off. Like December of 2021 last year, I went on a two-week snowboard vacation and purposely said no to events in that month because I mentally just wanted a break. I needed a break, but that meant I wasn't getting cash into the business. So I needed to have made sure I saved enough. But then if you're like me, you're probably listening to this podcast and being like, Logan, what's enough? That's like my million dollar question. I always ask people, I'm like, how much is, you know, what percentage is enough to, you know, feel secure and feel safe that you have enough like emergency savings as a, as a business owner. And the answer doesn't fully exist. It's up to you to kind of figure out how much you need to feel comfortable. Like what, again, back to my basics of like, what's my rent? What's my rent? What are my basic expenses every month? And are those covered? And like, then, you know, how much more do I want to have on top of that as for like my own lifestyle and things like that? But you kind of have to project and look ahead to see, okay, where are my fast months coming? Where am I slow? And figure out how you can kind of balance your your time. Yeah, kind of answer the question, Mary. I feel like it was a little bit of a ramble there. (laughs) No, I think that was good. Yeah. And I have like so many thoughts, I feel like jumbled up in my head. So I'll try to piece them together. But um, one of the one of the other books that I really enjoy, which I did finish was The Magic of Tiny Business. And it's about the the creator of eco bags. I think that was one of like, the first like reusable bag companies. And um, it's, you know, when I think of a tiny business, I'm like, what does that mean? But her business, I don't want to misquote it. So you'll have to just read the book and see. But it was, I think her business, like had a revenue of like one point something million dollars a year. So I'm like, it's not tiny, <laughs> but, but it was tiny in a sense that she didn't want it to expand to this like huge thing. She wanted to keep it smaller on purpose. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because that's something that I've been thinking a lot about. Like I've probably said it in the podcast before. I actually don't even remember, but I found that each year it kind of changes for me <laughs> as I'm trying to figure out what I want to do and what I want the future to look like. At at one point, I've been like, I really want an agency. I want other people working for me, which is still sort of true. Um, but the more I'm into it, I see the value in outsourcing, which was one of Logan's words at the beginning. And a, a lot of our colleagues do it that way. Um, I, I appreciate the idea of outsourcing. Um, and all this is to say, I think that when I have looked at my finances and like my business account, I have tried to save a lot of money in there so that if I could hire someone, then I would have money to be able obviously to pay them, even if there wasn't work coming in, um, like mm. a full-time employee type situation. And the more that I work as a business, the more I'm not totally sure if that's for me or not trying to figure it out. Um, but when it comes to cash flow, I found that as far as like my personal accounts go, I was holding so much for this like potential in my business account that I wasn't really sending. I, I don't do the profit first thing like Logan does, although I would like to, I will say that. And I'm starting to read the book. So I think that's in my future, but I just found that that was really ruining like my personal cash flow because I wasn't sending anything over. I also think it's important to caveat just because we're sharing our experiences is that I feel like I've, my, I'm a really like privileged person 
person and, and business person because I have a spouse and his income is really what supports us. Not everybody has that. So maybe if you're listening, you do have that and you can relate or maybe you don't. But that's something that I have, which then allows me to be a little bit riskier and hold on to that money a little bit more, I have found. Um, but then, like I've just said, there's definitely pros and cons to that. need to kind of figure out my cash flow a little bit better now. Um, but so anyway, I just wanted to share that. Hopefully that fits in somewhere with what we've been talking about. Yeah. And I think that's there's great in that, too, because I think as a small business owner, again, especially as an event person, the big thing for me that was hard to understand when I first started and something I'm a lot more comfortable with now also is the fact that you are a business, even if you are a, a freelancer, you are a business in the sense that you're making money, but then you're going to have expenses. So you have your computer, you have your software, you have physical goods that you might be using to do your service. If you're a makeup artist, you have all your makeup that you purchase to do your job. Those are expenses. And so when someone is paying you, you are not taking 100% of what they paid you as profit because you have expenses as a business. And that's something why I think we also feel uncomfortable talking about money because it's just, it just, it's a taboo topic. We, when we grow up, we're told not to talk about, you know, like politics and money and all these things with, you know, friends, family and that kind of stuff. But for me, the biggest realization was I think I was working with folks that assumed when they paid me $500 wow, I'm giving Logan, if I had $500, imagine what I would do with it. Like that's a lot of money. And then you go, wait, but here's all the things that I have monthly expenses that no matter if you pay me $500 now or $500 three months from now, like every month I pay for my Gmail, that's $5, you know, and that those, all those things like add up. And so you have to realize that, and that was when I first started my business, I would get so excited when people paid me. And then it didn't really, I didn't track as well as I probably needed to of like how much I was spending to get that business. Um, and so now I have a better handle of like an expectations when a client pays me into my account, I look at it and I go, okay. And again, the profit first thing helped me think about it. And you might think a different way. I have some other event pros I know who pay themselves the same amount every single month. And then at the end of the year, essentially like give themselves a raise if they've earned it or, you know, that's how they do it. But that has helped me then think about where I need to go after more business, where I'm kind of, I've, I'm just a solo entrepreneur. So I've made enough this month. I can take a little bit of a breather. I don't have to say yes to that last minute event that doesn't feel like the right fit because I don't necessarily need it right now, which is a again, and also a place of privilege I'm coming from that hungry Logan four months, four years ago would have said yes to everything just because, you know, I wanted experience and and I wanted the money. Um, so that's something I think that helps you think about your business differently, especially if you're feeling uncomfortable about your pricing understanding that internally and then figuring out how you want, how you feel comfortable wording that to clients if there is pushback on your pricing, but understanding like you have overhead, you have costs, even if you're one person. And as you, like you're saying, Mary, as you grow your business, if you hire people, you're going to have more overhead because you have more people, but that means you can also bring in more business. So you have more money coming in to support that overhead. So, you know, each of these steps are, I think, really important if you're thinking that you want to scale or just evolve your business. Any uh, event-related money stories, good or bad, that you'd like to share with the uh, with the group? These can be event budgets too, versus uh, your small business finances. Um, I, I knew that maybe this question was coming, and I was trying to think, and I feel like I can't think of any like worthy stories. So I'm gonna pass it back to you because I feel like you have one, and I don't know if we're thinking the same one, but I do think it would be interesting to share the miscellaneous one or whatever you have in mind. So I'm going to pass it back to you, actually. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for giving me a hint. I actually, that wasn't the story I was thinking of. This mm -hmm. one, the first one I was thinking was definitely coming from a business perspective. I got an event 
that wanted me to travel and they offered me kind of a flat rate for this amount of days. And the only caveat was they weren't going to pay for my flight or my hotel. And so I crunched the numbers and found out that I was essentially going to probably break even meaning I was going to spend on my flight and hotel for the duration of the project as much as I was getting paid. And this current me probably would be like, oh, is it worth it, Logan? I don't know. And I thought at the same time, but the way I evaluated it in the moment was it was an opportunity that I was super excited about. I really wanted to get in with this client and it was kind of just, I was really hungry and just excited to be there. And so I did it and it ended up bringing me some very large pieces of business based on the pe people I met through that project. But on my books, on my you know small business finances, it didn't look like a very profitable project. If anything, it almost I might have come out between food and and cars and things that I had to get places almost in the negative. But so it's not necessarily a good or bad story because I think it comes out with a good ending. But it's just something for you to think about as a event vendor, event planner, especially if you're getting started. As long as you kind of have reasons behind it, and I knew I had other clients who were paying me, so I wasn't going to be losing money you know entirely that month. Um, I think that's a good sign. But yes, the other one, Mary, that you talked about, that we've talked about, I had a client who had at their on their event budget. I always love looking at event budgets. They get for hating my company finances. I really nerd out about the money when it comes to events because I just think everyone can be more efficient. You mentioned earlier, Mary, like our why is so important. And so for me, I'm always really big on just like intentional spending. And that's how I approach my business and how I make budgets. Like there's always intention between the number of people I'm trying to bring into the event or you know, what we really need versus what we want. And I had a client who I was looking at their budget from the year before and they were like, we're looking to, you know, they want to save money in certain ways. And one of their line items on their budget was miscellaneous. And it was like $13,000 <laughs> for, for miscellaneous. And when asked, no one at the organization could tell me what the, what they spent $13,000 on. And to me, this is just, talks back to, I think we've, I've had a video on it on YouTube about having a perfect event and how you need to have a good post-event report. Because to me, it feels ridiculous to just spend miscellaneous, $13,000 miscellaneously. But maybe if we'd listed out all the things we spent it on, you could understand like, oh, it was last minute printing fees, or we had to rent a moving truck to move all of our decorations, or I had to bring in extra staff and like, you can then plan for it. But the fact that it was just kind of this miscellaneous charge, we had no way, I had no way as a planner to help that client fix that problem moving forward because no one could tell me what it was. And to me, that is so much money, especially um, based on what this like this client did. There was so much money that could have been impactful in so many other ways. And so just a caveat to you, same with your business. If you just have like weird expenses at times, like just make sure to make notes to yourself. I use QuickBooks to balance my books and I make notes even like you know, an Uber or a Lyft ride will come through and it just says like Lyft ride and then gobbledygook numbers. To help myself mm -hmm. out, I can in my memo write you know, my lift to the event venue or something. And it's just like helping future you because you don't want to be like this client who's looking at their budget being like, why did we spend $13,000 and we have no memory of how yeah, or why we did that? <laughs> We've covered a lot today. So hopefully you as listeners um, got to just kind of hear our perspective. We weren't, you know, trying to give advice necessarily today, but it's important, I think, to share um, experiences. So hopefully you gain something from it. And that we probably then, also should have caveated at the start that we're not financial advisors. But yeah. <laughs> again, yes, this is we're not all from advisors. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely from, not. Yeah, this is all from personal experience. But I also, before you jump into our bonus yeah. tip, Mary, I did want to uh, ask our listeners if you have any questions that have come up for you or how you feel about 
the financial side of your business, uh, feel free to send us an email or message us on Instagram. We love hearing from you guys. And again, we're trying to build this community. And just so if we, we can answer any of those questions, or if you want us to go find an actual certified financial planner to help you answer those questions, we can have them on the pod sometime. But yeah, great idea. Yeah, I think, Mary, it's time for our bonus tip. Yeah. So my bonus tip today is like a little cheesy. So bear with me, but it is what I chose. So um, I have these little um, empowerment cards. I will show you if you're watching our YouTube or uh, Spotify video podcast, but hopefully that was not mirrored. But it says, do more of what makes you happy. And I chose that one for this week for like me to look at throughout my week because it was resonating with me. And so this is just our friendly little bonus tip to remind you to do more of what makes you happy. Maybe throughout the day, that's like taking a walk or just taking a moment, or maybe it's bigger for you, like what you want to do with your life or your job. But there's my bonus tip for the day. Just try to choose one thing that you can do to, to make yourself happy. Pick that one thing. Oh, Mary, that's so great. Great positive note to end on this. But thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Better Events Pod. You can send us an email at bettereventspod at gmail.com. You can also follow us follow us at on Twitter, I think also at Better Events Pod, right, Mary? Yep, and that's right. we appreciate you listening and we'll be back in your ears again next Wednesday. Mm-hmm.